0: Welcome to Feminist Erotica, a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women. Join Jera, Karen, and Princess for stimulating interviews that explore feminist representations of desire, as well as short and sweet erotic snippets read by the authors themselves. This episode is sponsored by Just the Tip, Rebellious Magazine's Inclusive Sex and Relationship Advice Column where you'll find interviews with sexuality researchers and educators, as well as compassionate responses to anonymous questions. Check it out at rebelliousmagazine.com slash just dash the dash tip.
1: This episode features a live-streamed happy hour with folks involved in the newly published Best Women's Erotica of the Year number 6. You'll hear from the anthology's editor, Rachel Kramer-Bussell, and five of the contributors reading pieces from their stories in the anthology. After the readings, we talk to the contributors about erotica as self-care and sexy New Year's resolutions. In this first live reading we hear from Rachel Kramer-Bussell who's reading from Zoe Castile's story Far Side of the World. In the story Graciela is hiking in Scotland when she gets hit by a car. She's okay but the incident provides a chance meeting.
2: Within seconds of checking into the Hebrides Hotel, Grace showered and ordered fish and chips from room service. Before she left for her hike she'd shaved her legs and bikini. Wishful thinking had her her believing she'd meet a beautiful Scottish man on the moors. Sometimes, after trekking 12 miles across a stretch of green, she'd fantasize that when she pitched her tent, there would be someone waiting for her. That was the thing about being alone for such a long period of time. Her wildest, most ridiculous fantasies came to life. She hadn't pictured it this way, but she'd found a beautiful Scottish man. Finley McLean had waited for her after his shift. His dark curls managed to look windswept, even though he'd been inside all day. His blue eyes were the shade of the water that hugged the coastal towns they drove past. He turned onto a highway that cut through sharp green glens with streams trickling through ancient stone. But the sight of him was far more breathtaking. Her heart felt like it was swelling, which is why she had to say, you're not like a serial killer, are you? He chuckled and tilted his head to the side to look at her. They were the only ones on the road for long stretches, but she didn't feel anxious about it. Just a bartender, for both our sakes. I'm a bit squeamish. You bandaged my hands all right, she said, and held up her wrists as evidence. After I got a compound fracture on my leg and saw my own bones sticking out, I couldn't handle blood. You're the one walking around alone. Maybe you're the one who's a serial killer. I'm just an ex-bank teller who went for a long walk looking for adventure, she said. The only thing I did was kill my feet. So why did you choose the Western Isles? She looked out the window and had the strangest sensation that she was exactly where she needed to be. It's as good as any place. I've never been somewhere that has a midnight sun. Grand, isn't it, he said. They went on that way for the rest of the ride, having the kind of easy conversation that came with feeling like they were the only two people in the world. When they arrived at the stones, the sun was just setting. Red and orange starbursts painted the sky. It was unusually perfect weather, despite the wind. Holy fuck, she shouted, racing past him to get a better look at the sky, the lakes ahead of them, the stones that rose from the ground like crooked teeth. When she turned around, he was right there. His smile reached his eyes. A filter of sunset made him look like a painted god. Holy fuck is right. They stood in the ring of stones, older than Stonehenge, a place that was enveloping them two lost souls who'd found each other for a moment. I want to kiss you, Grace said. Then kiss me, he said, his voice deeper with desire. She went for it, remembering that feeling of running down a mountain with the wind at her back, gravity slamming her against him, and he caught her. His lips were soft, a rough moan escaped them. His tongue parted her lips slowly, then hard. He gripped her arms and pressed her to him. Even through the thin material of her sweater, he could feel her rock-hard nipples pressing into his chest. Her clever fingers roamed his torso, raking nails over the material of his shirt, until they found the hem. The cool sensation of her fingers on his hot skin sent chills down his spine. She searched lower, and when she nipped at his swollen lower lip, found his straining hard cock. Grace pulled back a few inches to look at his face. Her long, dark lashes fluttered. Just think of the orgies that happened here 4,000 years ago. Whatever he thought she'd say, he didn't expect that. It made him want her more, this strange, wild girl who had broken the mundane routine of his day. Right now, I'm only thinking about you, he said. Smooth, she cocked a playful eyebrow. Her heart hammered in her chest. Her skin was hot with desire. She took off her sweater, and even still, the cool snap of wind couldn't put out the fire singing through her. Are you thinking about what you want to do to me? There was a depression of stones, a place of ritual, a place that hid them from view at the heart of the ring of stones. She took two steps down and stood at the center, knowing he would follow. He came up behind her, wrapping his arms around her front. One slipped under her tank top. It was like he was trying to familiarize himself with her body before he touched her anywhere else. She reached out a hand to the stone in front of them for balance. I want to fuck you against this wall. His warm breath was at her ear. Can I fuck you, Grace? She could hardly speak, nodding as she reached for him and said, yes, please fuck me.
1: Next, we hear from Elizabeth Safleur. Elizabeth writes, award-winning romance that dares to go there, from 28 wildlife-filled acres, which she shares with her husband and one very spoiled Westie. He's the real dom of the family. Her BDSM series, The Elite Doms of Washington, her femdom series, The Justice Series, and the steamy contemporary series, Shakedown, have one thing in common. They are stories of women seeking their own brand of power, love, and individuality, and the men who love them for it. Elizabeth is reading from her story, The Escape Room. Her story features Brett and Ava who first appear in the Elite Doms series. The couple is testing out a new escape room in Brett's resort in the Caribbean.
3: Brett snapped his fingers and slowly light bloomed in the crown molding near the ceiling. You're such a drama king, she teased. One hour Ava, now first riddle. He lifted her hand and placed a tiny silver key into her palm. This is the only time it's gonna be easy. This key opens something near and dear to me that only I can unlock. Now, what does it unlock? He strode to the other side of the room and leaned against the door frame, his face cracking into that megawatt smile that three years ago had melted off every stitch of her clothing, and had done so every day since. A lock that only you can unlock, let's see. She eased off the desk, enjoying the way her thong tightened up her ass. With an exaggerated sway of her hips, she sauntered around the room. She could tease too. Hmm, office, lock, key. The cheap metal desk monopolized the center of the room. To the knowing, it was at the perfect height for bending over. A large executive chair sat behind it, the perfect stage for reverse cowgirl. A Tall hat rack stood bolted to the floor in the corner, adorned with hat, umbrella, and trench coat. The perfect frame for bondage. us center yourself. Her overactive libido was all his fault, and she'd bet money his earlier foreplay had been conducted to throw her off her game. She paused at a large painting of a familiar ocean view hanging against the far wall. She grinned at him the scene of the crime. Marrying you overlooking that view is hardly a crime. Fifty five minutes left, Ava. Plenty of time. The single door in the room had a keyhole, but it was too large for the tiny keener hand. Besides, the idea was to earn her way out, despite the fact she didn't want out. Never did when it came to Brett. Oh, she held out the key to him. Mr. Wright, I do believe this is yours. I'm the lock. Care to insert your key? Such a bad metaphor, but one she'd live with if it meant he'd engage in some inserting. My smart Ava. He pocketed it in his ruined shower trousers, because, yep, what's stain? Second clue, he said, you can play with this object yourself, but it's better when I do it. Her gaze swept the room. She pointed at the trench coat and arched her eyebrow. She could play the femme fatale and he the private dick she came to see, or she turned and presented her back to him. My zipper, please let it be your zipper. If so, she'd fricking love this game. He laughed, no, by the way, you only get three guesses per riddle. That was one, don't get them game over. She spun to face him on purpose pout in place. Then I'll get them right. I know you will, smart girl. When you win, I win. Remember that. Again, the object you seek can be used by you, but it's better if used by me. She circled the desk and faced the set of drawers. She found they held papers, pens, and oh, hello, a ping pong paddle. She lifted it up because if the zipper wasn't it, she so, so wanted this item to be it. She climbed up on the desk, presented her ass, and held out the paddle my favorite position he took the paddle and laid it by her hand he pushed her dress up around her waist much better continue okay he wanted her to spank herself game on her breath shot from her lungs at the first blow blow he was right this would be so much better if he wielded this thing because the angle wasn't really hitting her right she adjusted her hand grip and landed a second slap this one deliciously waking up her backside The third time, she gave herself a stronger whack. The sting vibrated straight to her clit. Oh, yes, she'd have to remember this. She struck her own ass a fourth and fifth time, her hot pants echoing in her ears. Her thighs ached to spread wider, but couldn't. She was at the edge of the desk. They were going to need bigger furniture in here. She startled when his fingers touched her back. Oh, good. The nerves she lit up were ready for more. Are you thinking of me, Ava, when you spank yourself? He slid her panties to the side. The brush of fabric over her swollen clit loosened a bleat from her throat. The paddle clattered to the desk and she pushed her ass back, trying to capture his fingers as the need for penetration took over. He tisked, I asked you a question. Did you think of me? Think. How could she think when his fingers were running up and down her inner lips like that? Oh, God, and that. Yes, I always think of you, she managed to rasp. Is that the answer, spanking me? No, and the paddle wasn't the right object, but I appreciated the effort. He lifted a dime store ruler to her face, his other hand continuing to brush around her clit. This was the one I wanted, but I enjoyed the show. Bastard that I love.
1: Elia Winters is a fat, tattooed, polyamorous bisexual who loves petting cats and fighting the patriarchy. A sex educator and kink-positive feminist, Elia reviews sex toys, speaks at kink conventions, and writes geeky, kinky, cozy, erotic romance. She lives in western Massachusetts with her loving husband and weird pets. Elia reads from her story Sweater Weather, featuring roommates that add a new dimension to their relationship. Paige was only planning to borrow
4: a sweater. After months of living with her roommate Lila, sharing a two bedroom apartment near the university where they both go to grad school, they've developed a kind of casual intimacy where Paige knows borrowing a sweater is no big deal. Lila has always been the friendly sort of what's mine is yours roommate anyway, always willing to share groceries and shampoo. But upon opening the suitcase of not sweaters from Lila's closet, Paige realizes her mistake. Unfortunately, she's still standing in front of the giant open suitcase of kink and bondage gear when Lila gets home early and walks into her bedroom. The silence between them stretches out for an uncomfortably long time. Paige knows she's blushing. Fair skinned and freckled, she blushes at everything and discovering your roommate is apparently kinky as fuck is more than enough to get her blushing. Lila, though, only smiles. Her body language even relaxes, angular shoulders going soft and loose like she's finally able to let go of some hidden tension. I'm sorry, Paige blurts out, taking one step back from the suitcase where it lies open on Lila's bed. I just wanted to borrow a sweater. I thought these were sweaters. I didn't think you'd mind. Those aren't sweaters. Lila is still smiling, her enigmatic smile that makes Paige flush all over. I can see they're not sweaters. Paige bites her lip. I am, um, I know what they are. Do you? Lila's eyebrows go up. That saves a bit of explaining, I guess. Paige was not planning on having this conversation with her roommate, not now, not ever. So, But she's accidentally discovered a whole trove of kink gear, so it seems fair to admit a bit of her own habits. I've seen them on the internet. Lila laughs. It's a familiar sound. Paige has heard Lila laugh at television shows and cat videos and sometimes Paige's terrible jokes and it sets her at ease a bit. She knows Lila. They're friends or at least friendly and even if they've never delved into this kind of conversation, it's just sex. It's normal and healthy, right? Nothing to be ashamed about. Lila walks over to stand beside Paige staring down into the suitcase on the bed. I haven't taken any of this stuff out in a while. She strokes a hand over the curve of a leather cuff, fingers the suede falls of a flogger. Lately, I haven't had any sweet submissive girls asking me to tie them up and have my way with them. Paige sucks in a breath because Lila is flirting, and this can't be happening. They haven't had these conversations, haven't crossed these lines, and Paige has always assumed this crush is one-sided and hopeless. She's thought of Lila's full breasts and slender fingers, fantasized about the crushed, berry redness of her lips, imagined the way Lila's blonde, wavy hair would tickle against her soft skin in bed. Now Lila has opened the store and Paige's hitching breaths probably tell her all she needs to know. I hear you sometimes when you touch yourself. Lila's tone remains matter of fact, casually informational like she's sharing highlights from a podcast. These walls are terribly thin. Oh my God, Paige turns away. It's too much and her skin is going to catch fire with embarrassment and wanting. Lila, Lila, what the fuck? Do you think about me, Paige? Paige wraps her arms around her middle, hugging the curves of her own body. Maybe this is a fever dream. Maybe she's going to wake up in her bed any moment, soaking wet and trembling because this can't be happening. Lila's gentle touch on her arm makes her turn and Paige forces herself to meet her roommate's eyes. Lila's breathing faster. Her eyes are sharp and intense and filled with with desire. Paige's breath catches in her throat again. Yes, Paige forces the word out. Lila looks back down at the suitcase. Do you like this sort of thing? Is that why you're looking at it on the internet? Paige nods and then tries her voice again. Yeah, it's whisper quiet and terrified. Lila turns to face her roommate, running one finger delicately down the side of Paige's cheek, her head tipped to the side like she's considering something. I'd love to play with you, Paige, if you want. Paige is nodding already, but Lila touches her lips with a finger to shush her. Not tonight, this weekend. In the meantime, if you want to play with me, email me five or more videos or stories that turn you on between now and Friday night, and include what turns you on about them. I want to know your fantasies. Can you do that? Paige presses a hand to her face in embarrassment, but she says yes through her fingers, and Lila laughs again. I'm starting to think you're into the humiliation, she pats Paige's cheek. Oh, and one more thing? what? No orgasms this week? Lila smiles sweetly. I like my toys needy. Paige is still standing there in shock when Lila drags another suitcase out of the closet and pops it open. Sweaters are in here. Help yourself.
1: Anuja Varghese is a Canadian writer whose work appears in several literary journals and magazines. She's excited to be included in a forthcoming women's orgasm anthology entitled Coming Soon and she is working on a debut collection of short stories centering the lives of contemporary South Asian women. Anuja's story is
5: called The Conference. The CN Tower was Toronto's most recognizable landmark. It dominated the city skyline and was packed with tourists year round. For Chalony, it had always been a fixture in the background, a place she passed every day on her way to work, but had never once considered visiting herself. Now she waited in line with Kai behind her to get into the tower and take the elevator up to the viewing deck. Enclosed by floor to ceiling windows all the way around, the view from the top of the tower was spectacular. Shalini pointed out buildings and streets and places with funny stories attached to them. She surprised herself with how much of the city's history she had at her fingertips without ever realizing it was there. Kai took it all in, snapped pictures, asked questions, laughed easily along with her. If he was conscious of the way, he drew the gaze of women and men alike as he followed the glass walls in a full circle. Until he came to the revolving doors, he made no sign of it. Shalini followed him outside onto the balcony, which was surrounded by high railings and protective wire mesh. The view from indoors through the glass was much better but it left the balcony almost entirely free of other people. And when Shalini went to stand beside him, behind the iron rail, they found themselves quite alone. So what do you think, she asked. I think it's a hell of a way to start the tour, he said. She smiled and gave him a sidelong glance. She saw the kiss in his eyes before it traveled to his lips. He wasn't hiding it, wasn't trying to take her by surprise. She had time, only a few seconds perhaps, but time enough if she wanted. To back out of the moment. Instead, Shalini leaned in and let the kiss take hold. There was a gentleness to it, an unhurried parting of her lips with his, the tip of his tongue making only the briefest inquiry, making no demands. He drew back, leaving her mouth tingling, her skin hot to the touch. Chalini took a steadying breath and then said, where to next? I heard you have a museum made of crystal? Chalini laughed. Not quite, she replied, but I know what you mean. They left the tower together and hopped onto a streetcar. Somewhere along the way, Kai took Shalini's hand and held it so that they arrived at the museum with fingers intertwined at ease with one another as if they were old friends or lovers, not strangers who had met not two hours ago. The Royal Ontario Museum is a sprawling institution with several school buses parked out front and groups of rowdy kids on field trips rushing from one exhibit to the next. Over a decade ago, the museum's main entrance had been rebuilt, taking the shape of a massive multifaceted crystal formed out of glass, aluminum, and steel. Most people thought it was an eyesore, but Shalini liked it, liked the audacity of it, the way it reflected light differently than any other building in the world. Shalini and Kai spent the afternoon exploring the museum from end to end. They saw dinosaur bones and ancient civilizations, bird's nests, and bat caves. So many wonders of nature, history, and art. At every turn they found ways to make casual contact, the brush of her arm against his in the elevator, his hand on her bare shoulder as they both leaned down to read about the helmet-crested Corythosaurus. By the time they wandered together into the softly lit ancient Egypt exhibit, the museum was near closing, the crowds had thinned, and a tension had built between them that began to demand release. Hey, look at this, Shalini said as she came upon a low stone arch built right into the wall. What is it? Kai asked, coming up behind her. Shalini read from the plaque mounted beside the strange doorway. It's a replica of the tomb of Catinius from the second century AD. Should we go in? His voice was so close. If Shalini had taken a half step backward, she would have been pressed against him. She walked forward into the enclosed space of the reconstructed tomb and ducking his head to get through the arch, Kai followed. The interior was dim, the cool gray stone of the walls engraved with pyroglyphs from top to bottom. Not sure if we're supposed to touch, Shalini said, even as she ran her fingertips across the markings in the stone. I think it's allowed, Kai replied softly. And with a slight shiver, Shalini realized he wasn't talking about the walls. In fact, he said, pushing her hair aside to touch his lips to the back of her neck, I'd say it's encouraged.
1: Rita finalist Jeanette Gray started out with degrees in physics and painting, which she dutifully applied to stunted careers in teaching, technical support, and advertising. Now she writes sexy, smart, heart-squeezing romance. When she's not at her keyboard, she probably is crafting, gaming, or chasing after her husband and toddler. In Jeanette's story, Adult Time, a couple gets a babysitter for the first time since having a baby and are relearning other aspects of their relationship on a date in the city.
6: There's no shortage of places that sell clothing in Lower Manhattan, but nothing in particular catches my eye until Drew stops. He points across the street. There. I follow his gaze, my eyes flying wide. Drew wants us to go into a sex shop. Sure enough, though, there are mannequins in the window dressed in leather and lace. Some of the garments are across cross between fetish wear and lingerie, but others could pass as regular clothes. It's not a place I dare walk into normally, but today, with my husband wrapped around me like a possess- possessive, horny scarf, with my pussy dripping with excitement and my lungs full of bright city air, I swallow down my do- doubts and nod. Okay. No one in New York cares what anyone else is doing, and two 30-somethings walking into an adult store won't even make the top 10 list of weird things on the street at this moment. My skin still flushes as if a thousand eyes are on us. I squirm inside, breathless arousal building between my thighs. Drew holds the door for me and guides me in, then toward the clothing section on the right. My gaze lingers on the far wall though, taking in displays covered in huge silicone cocks and brightly colored vibrators. I swallow hard at the racks of lube, plugs and harnesses and handcuffs and God only knows what else. Later, Drew murmurs and a tremor ripples along my spine. Right. I stay tucked in tightly against his side as we peruse the racks. Drew pulls out a black leather skirt that would barely hit mid thigh on me. A few other options in scratchy lace and shining satin follow. He pauses for a second at the edge of the display. Then he reaches out and grabs a pair of black thigh highs and a garter belt. More wetness floods my pussy. I thought I'd lost the version of myself who ever wore those kinds of things, the one who dressed and felt like a sexy woman. But just like that, she's back. Without a word of argument, I let him lead me to the dressing rooms in the rear corner of the store. The people I imagined were staring at us out on the street might've been figments of my imagination, but the salesperson is entirely too real. Her face is utterly blank as she hands me a number and opens a curtain for me. I look to Drew expectantly. Surely he'll want to watch me try these on. Maybe he'll even want to help but he waves me in. Come back out in your favorite. Oh, something in me falls. I worry the edge of one of the skirts between my fingers and look to the floor. I don't want to have to ask him to come with me. I don't want to lose this intoxicating sexual energy that's been buzzing between us since he first put his hand on my leg at the bar. Ming, he says, voice low and rough. I jerk my gaze up. Don't keep me waiting. His eyes burn with undisguised luck, lust. And in a flash, my confidence is back. He trusts me, he wants me to do this for him. So who am I to doubt anything now? With a nod and a gulp, I close the curtain between us. Studiously avoiding my reflection, I start to strip. The outfit I wore to take my mother to lunch wasn't meant to be seductive. The top is a basic black number though, so I leave it on. The package for the hose crinkles in the silent air. Sitting on the bench, I pull them on. A shiver hums through me. The silky fabric glides over my skin, hugging it tightly. My pale legs disappear beneath it, and it's like I'm transforming into another person, another being. My breathing shallow, I stand. Impulsively, I take off my underwear, revealing the wet, needy flesh to the air. I get on the garter belt and put the panties back on over it. I still refuse to look at myself. I try on each of the skirts we picked out. One is too tight and another too large. Two fit perfectly, though. I tuck my top into the leather one and turn around. And suddenly, it doesn't matter that I've spent the last two years in a sexless haze. It doesn't matter that I'm two sizes bigger than I used to be, or that my makeup is barely there and my hair unstyled. The skirt is obscene. The tops of the thigh highs and the straps of the garter belt show beneath the hem. With my shirt tucked in, my breasts look huge and my waist tiny. My dark eyes, flushed cheeks, and wet lips are all the makeup I need. I turn around, I shove the curtain to the side, and there's my husband. One look at me and I swear to God he's going to eat me alive. Then I spot the tube of lube and the purple anal plug in his hands. My throat (laughs) clamps down. Sense memory crashes into me out of nowhere. My nipples twist and my clit throbs. Nothing's come anywhere near my ass in ages, but I used to love it. Drew would eat my pussy out and gently open my rear entrance. He'd shove a plug in there and fuck my cunt, or sometimes the other way around. With the huge dildo keeping me full, he'd slowly work his thick cock into my ass and I'd come so hard I'd wake the neighbors. Gripping the wall just to keep myself upright, I gaze back at him in utter rapture. I suddenly need him so desperately I can hardly stand. My knees are jelly, my pussy swollen and wet, and I don't know how I'm going to wait another second to get my husband buried deep inside me. And then it strikes me. Who says we have to wait?
1: In our final live reading, Margot Pierce, a romance novelist and smut enthusiast based in upstate New York, reads from her story, Calyx, in which an art teacher who needs something new in her life explores footplay and being in charge with a complete
7: stranger. I swallow dryly, my pulse racing with a surge of adrenaline. Stand up and take off your shirt. He rises to his feet to tower over me as he unbuttons, shrugging it from his shoulders to reveal a surprisingly athletic torso. Dark hair, flecked with silver, dusts his chest and trails down the center of his abs. Pants, too. He toes off his shoes and unbuckles his belt, unzipping his fly before pushing his trousers down his hips. Once he kicks them off, he straightens his athletic body on full display for my hungry gaze. When I notice a large wet spot of pre on his dark gray boxer briefs, my breath catches in my throat. I slide off the bed and approach him. Without my heels, I'm only eye level with his chest and I inhale the scent of his clean cologne and watch the rise and fall of his shallow breath, then look up at him as I look at my palm. Yes, he whispers. I slip my hand beneath the waistband to wrap my fingers around the hard shaft of his cock. His body tenses as I slowly stroke, pre-cum slicking my grip. You want to be mine? I ask. More than anything, he breathes. Did you ever jerk off thinking about Calix? All the time. Did you think about me wrestling you to the ground and sitting on your face? Oh fuck, his eyes roll closed as I pick up my my pace. what did you think about while you jerked off? Being consumed by you, overwhelmed, trampled, smothered, drained, used. Those words hit me like a drug. I close my eyes and press my forehead to his chest, my arm flexing as I work his cock in my grip. He grunts with restraint, his abs taut, his head bowed, his breath warming my cheek, and I release a shuddering breath of exquisite erotic tension in his body. My panties are soaked. I'll do anything you want, he whispers. I squeeze the base of his cock, feeling a pulse in my grip. Release as they take a step back. Underwear, too, I say, turning to climb onto the bed. I want you naked. Season two of the podcast is all about
1: erotica as a springboard for self care and personal growth. We asked our guests how reading and writing erotica has helped them take care of themselves in this current crisis and beyond. Anuja, you started by just saying that it's, you know, as this new thing, like it's brought out new things in you. I'm curious if you could expand on it at all.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is my first uh, sort of like published, officially published piece. Uh, For a long time, though, I've just as like my own little way of self-care, I guess, I've been sort of writing fanfic, which probably a lot of people read or write or enjoy. Um, I think it gets a bit of a bad rap, but um, that's kind of how I, how I got in, how I got into doing it, so um, yeah, that's been my little, my little way of self-care, finding, finding characters and stories that, that I like, that have been familiar, and you know, making my own happy endings for them, or whatever it is I think they need, yeah.
4: Well, I, I review sex toys, um, as one of my side gigs. So business is booming. I mean, everyone's all- home. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that it, it all ties in together. Like, you know, um, masturbation is something that we can be doing without the threat of sharing any unwanted diseases. Like it's pandemic safe, fun activities at home. And I think erotica, just celebrating sex, especially at a time where we can't necessarily be with all the people in all the ways that we want to, it's a great thing to help carry us through. I think also,
2: I mean, I will fully admit, like, I I do read erotica for pleasure, but because I read so much of it for my work, a lot of my pleasure reading is in other genres, but um, for I would say March through June, July, I, I could barely read anything. And I it was ironic because I had more free time. I was surrounded by lots of books, but I just like, I would start something and then put it down. And I just like, I felt like my brain was really fuzzy. So the last few months I've been reading more and it's been so fun because it's like rediscovering reading again. So seeing people react to this book, it made me happy. To be able to give people, you know, a chance to read when maybe they had also been having trouble, which I do think the shorter format is good for. You know, you might not have a lot of time or attention span, but you can read a story in 20 minutes and get something out of it and feel like, okay, that was enjoyable. Maybe I'll read one tomorrow night. I, I don't. I mean, I, great if you want to stay up all night and read the whole thing, but I think a book like this is really wonderful for parsing out and maybe you're in the mood for this kind of story and you read that one or reading with a partner I think the short format just lends itself to you could read a few you could read one you can jump around
1: so I'll review erotica or like sexy romance books every once in a while or you know we'll we'll read them for the podcast or whatever and for me, this is probably too much information, but hey, like they're so hard to get through because you like have to stop and do something, right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, read a story and be like, all right, we'll, we'll come back to this. <laughs> like, I don't see how people can, can speed read these things, but that's also the fun of it, right? This is sort of actionable content.
7: <laughs> I love that. Right. Actionable that's content that. could be the name <laughs> of an erotica story. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love I love name. Sometimes I come up with a name for a short story first, and uh, like I I named the story "Necessary Roughness," which I think is a football term, which I don't I don't really oh. watch football, I, but I heard it. Or actually, I think there was a TV show called that that I saw a billboard for. Well, I mean, really? I'm really making that up, but there's I'm a wondering. movie.
3: There's, there's a movie called that. "Unnecessary Roughness," I
2: think. Was it recent? I I feel like I no. saw it in a billboard. And I was like, I'm going to write a kinky story called that. And so I I kind of love when a phrase just jumps out at you and then sparks something that probably whoever said it, like if you're eavesdropping at a somewhere, well, or in, you know, when, when eavesdropping was a thing, I, I miss eavesdropping.
1: <laughs> Related to what Erotica does for you, as we've talked about, 2021, we're going to start off this year having sexy self-care resolutions and these could be thing new things or things that you want to continue on into next year um what what are you doing for yourself what would you encourage our listeners to do for themselves it could just be even like reading more erotica or finding new authors but what comes to mind
3: i thought that 2020 really was a year of discovering what's important And, you know, the things that you miss the most, I would say the things that you miss the most, the minute you get to do them, go do them. (laughs) And if there was like uh, something that you got, when you read, you got inspired by like, I've always wanted to have this X, Y, Z type adventure to go for it. Reading erotica, reading anything is a great escape. And I highly encourage that, you know, to go ahead and have those, um, Imaginary escapes, but maybe there are a couple that you could make into reality in the new year because we kind of lost a year and We don't need to lose another one. So, you know If you feel inspired by some of the stories that you read in this anthology Maybe there's an opening for you <laughs> in reality Just
2: safe sane and consensual always I <laughs> <laughs> like you said Now I've already forgotten exactly what you said. You said imaginary encounters. Is that what you said?
3: Yeah. Like sometimes we read to like have those imaginary, it it like reading gives us permission to fantasize about things we may never do in reality. And that's great. But there may be also some things that you want to put into reality. And since we had like this lost year, maybe we have a year that's the opposite of lost. We, we just, we find something we discover in 2021.
2: I would just say just fantasizing because I think sometimes, I mean, I, I could speak for myself. Like, sometimes I will have a fantasy, but the literal part of my brain is like, no, that couldn't really happen. Or that, you know, I, I sort of stop myself from going all the way with it because I don't know why. But I think, like, giving yourself permission to just have whatever fantasies. You have, and then I mean, you can think about what they mean later, or whether you want to try them. But you know, letting your mind be free enough to have them, um, and I think this is especially true if you're also a writer, because I think a lot of writers do that as well. They might have an idea, and then they start thinking, well, what's this person going to think, or is this going to get published, or is this, you know, they start thinking about like the next steps rather than just the, the idea. And I think there's value in having an idea, whether it's a fantasy that's personally arousing and, or something you want to write about. I think just that stage where your mind is thinking something that, you know, is something you might not in your everyday rational daily life be thinking about, and you might not know where it comes from or what it means or, or anything else, but it's like there and and it exists from somewhere inside of you. I think that's valuable.
4: I think um, it's a great year to, Practice getting creative about asking for what you want. People often think about asking for what you want means you sit down with your, like whatever sexual partners you have Um, and like you have this like conversation seriously where you lay out the blueprints of your future sexual encounters. And you can do that, that's great. But do you like, is it easier if you text? Do you send, could you send your partner stories that they might and be like, we should try this? Do you send pictures? Do you like, what are the different ways you can communicate? Because there are a lot of people who are in relationships that include sex who are not asking for the things they wanna try because the framework of how to do that feels really intimidating. And I think that this is a great year to like, be creative and take some smart, well-thought-out risks and, uh, and see where that leads you.
1: To hear more of these stories, find Best Woman's Erotica of the Year, Volume Six, available wherever you purchase new books. Follow the anthology for new calls for submissions and more at Best Women's Erotica on Instagram and BWE of the Year on Twitter. Learn more about each of the contributors and where to find their work in the show notes of this episode at rebelliousmagazine.com.
0: Feminist Erotica is a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women, hosted by Jara Brown, Princess McDowell, and Karen Hawkins. If you have an idea for a future episode or want to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at FeministErotica at RebelliousMagazine.com. Follow us on Instagram at feministerotica Erotica Podcast, on Facebook at Feminist Erotica, and on Twitter at Feminist Erotic. And make sure you subscribe to us wherever you devour podcasts.